Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Tonight we're going to be in Exodus 20, verses 18 to 26. We're going to be in Exodus 20, verses 18 to 26. We will be jumping to other portions of Scripture. The voice of God, the lure of idols, and Kanye West. Yes, it'll make sense. And I did post this on the church's um, Facebook page. Um, I'm glad that nobody believed that Kanye would actually be here. They would be disappointed because, of course, he isn't. Although I do wish I could have found a life-size cutout, I would have brought that with me. It was not to be. Um, Exodus 20 is... Oh, one more thing before I begin. And um, For those of you who don't know me, because there are people who don't, my name is Bill Beaton. I am an elder here at Calvary Chapel. And I, on a regular basis, have to say that because I work with the kids. And so I'm, I'm downstairs a lot on Sundays. And even if I'm up here at the end of the service, I'm often zipping down um, to the children's area. And so that's who I am, for those who don't know me. And for those who do, uh, thank you for putting up with my introduction. Now, back to what we were talking about, Exodus 20. That is the chapter that has the Ten Commandments in it, but there are some verses at the end. I looked at them and I thought at first, hmm, is that going to be enough to talk about? And I looked at chapter 21, and it seemed like it was its own thing. And so I, I read, a, read it over and read it again and, and prayed about it. And, and sure enough, we've got some things to talk about. So let's get at it. Uh, Exodus 20, 18 to 19, for those of you who are here, if you don't feel like looking at your Bible, you can look at the screen. It is the New King James Version. Uh, same as what we use in the pews. This is right after the Ten Commandments, so the children of Israel are all congregated and uh, around Moses, and God's been talking to Moses and, by extension, the people. Now, all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. I would like to think that if God communicated in that way with the thunder and the rumblings and the trumpet and the smoke, that I wouldn't be scared. But I think I would be scared. Typically, when things like that happen, the the human beings that are in the vicinity get scared, even if they're um, a prophet or an apostle. So the children of Israel... They're humans just like me. 
I do wonder if um, along with that is a degree of unbelief. You would think that they would have tremendous faith after seeing all the plagues in Egypt, after seeing what the Lord did at the Red Sea, after uh, being, uh, being given water to drink and having later on having water purified uh, by God providing food with manna and quail. Yet, we're going to see that this people again and again and again will complain at every turn. And that um, despite all of the evidence of, of God working in the world that they could see and they could hear, that they lack faith, so much so that this generation does not go into the promised land their children do. So on the one hand, I can understand why they'd be scared. Maybe I'd be scared too. But on the other hand, I do wonder if it also betrays a heart condition that they carried with them out of Egypt. And that, this part of the chapter, that's about all I'm going to talk about it. It's going to be a recurring theme, the lack of faith of the people. Uh, we've also got a little bit more about, uh, well, some more about idols that we'll, we'll be talking about, and then something about how God wants to be worshipped. Um, and then we're going to spend more time about the idolatry, because that is another recurring theme in Scripture. And then the Kanye West part, that's going to fit in, trust me. Okay, moving on, verses 22 to 23. Then the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make anything to be with me, gods of silver or gods of gold. You shall not make for yourselves. 24 to 25, An altar of earth you shall make for me. You shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you. And I will bless you. And if you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stone. For if you use your tool on it, you have profaned it. Nor shall you go up by the steps to my altar that your nakedness may not be exposed on it. Okay. If you're you're wondering what that means... It is a little confusing. First about the altar. God wanted a simple altar, something of simple earth or of simple stones that we weren't to take um, to form the stones before we laid them in. But they had to be naturally occurring stones that had to be fit together or, if you will, even piled on to make an altar. No steps, but instead, uh, it would be a ramp of some kind. That's not like how gods were worshipped in Egypt. Or anywhere else, really. If there was a god, you'd, you'd make something ornate. You'd have your, your idol, of course, you know, gold, silver, wood, bronze. And, but if there was an altar, it was intricate. It, as intricate as the wealth of the people could put together. So you would have artisans who would take the stone and form it if it was being made out of stone. 
And if it was going to be overlaid wood, you'd have carpenters putting together the wood frame, and then you'd have people who could work in the metal, take the metal and hammer it, and attach it onto the wood frame, and have an altar that way. That's not what God wanted. He wanted to be worshipped differently. Now, the nakedness part. Well, there's a couple of things that I've said. One is from some of the commentaries, and then another is drawn from um, later on in, in the, as God's giving instructions to what the priests are supposed to wear. Uh, one in, is instruction is going up the steps. Um, it was possible if you were wearing just normal everyday clothing that you could have a gust of wind, and considering this is being done outside, that, well, there could be some nakedness. I shrugged my shoulders when I read that. I wasn't sure about it. Instead, I thought about um, instructions, and I'm not going to the scripture, but it is there, that the, the priest actually had to wear a kind of underwear. And, and the way it described it is that you have to wear, the, the priest had to wear the underwear when, because, so that God couldn't see their nakedness as they're going up the stairs. Well, how would God see their nakedness? Well, well, God can see everything. God can see from every direction. So if, if somebody had their robes on and they were completely covered and the robes went down to the floor and they went up the steps, you'd have to like be on the floor and looking up to see any nakedness, but God could see that because he was God. At least that's how I understood it. I can't think of another way to understand it, so if you've got a way, please let me know. But I think that that's where God was, what he was going for. So um, here, the same thing. They didn't want steps, um, but instead a ramp and to minimize that. Um, other than that, there's really much, not much more to say. Um, but there is something to say uh, about idols. And that's where we're going to spend most of our time because uh, idols are... One of the large themes in Scripture. Um, And where have we seen that before? Well, at the very beginning of the Ten Commandments, same chapter. So God has doubled back on something he was already talking about. And I'm going to go back to the beginning of Exodus Um, starting with the first verse. And God spoke these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. So now we're going to go back to that section having to do with uh, at the end of the chapter. Then the Lord says to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked to you from heaven. You shall not make anything to be with me gods of silver and gods of gold you shall not make for yourselves. I I went out to the Bible Gateway, which is one of the um, 
Bible websites that's available. I like it, so it, it has a lot of different versions. So if you want to look at a verse and lo- look at it from one version to another to another, and you're on a computer, it's, it's something that's good to use. And I often do use it a lot. Uh, I, I, I typed in the word idol, I-D-O-L, so that it would pick up idol. It should also pick up idols, plural, and, and other forms of the word. 158 times in the entire Bible. Okay. And 127 times in the Old Testament. But 31 times in the New Testament. So it is a recurring theme. Now a lot of it um, in the Old Testament was um, prophets who were warning the people about idolatry. Because the children of Israel, starting with this generation that left Egypt, had this tendency to um, worship gods um, that were in the region, which they did. They'd go through a region. They'd have some contact with the people. They'd have some contacts with the people's gods, and, and somebody would be grabbing a few and taking them with them so that you had, in this large group of people, there were some people who were, you know, they, they, they'd kind of step aside and they'd, and they'd worship other gods. Uh, also, there's the story that the uh, the, the calf, the bronze, the calves that um, we'll get to. But then also, in the time before, um, after they, their next generation got into Israel, in the time of the judges, um, the, the book of Judges is the people that they, they'd be leaving God and they'd go start worshiping other gods. Then they'd come back and then they'd leave and then they'd come back. And they'd only come back because God would stop blessing them and he would send um, some people group to, um, to start raiding their territory, to enslave them, to oppress them in some way. And then God would send a judge, a deliverer, to save them. And, and so this cycle happened over and over again. And then eventually, um, Israel becomes a country with the kings, and the same problem persists. You had some good kings, certainly David and Solomon, and then you had um, a split between Israel and Judah. And, and all of the kings in Israel were, were um, evil in that they all tolerated idolatry and that they um, took the golden calves, which appeared here, uh, as a sin of the children of Israel, and they set that up in place of the regular religion because they didn't want anyone going down there to Jerusalem. Okay, so that alone was a violation of what God had instructed. And then on top of that, they, they worshipped any god. When they had political dealings, especially with large empires like Assyria, um, they, they would take the Assyrian gods, and they'd bring them in as part of the diplomacy, and they would worship those gods in addition to their other gods. And they'd certainly say, well, we do worship the god of Egypt, but we'd worship these other gods too, and worship Baal. Because some people like the idea of taking uh, God and, and being able to do something for God, and then ex- God will do something for you in return. And, and that's not how God is. If people try to do that with God today, try to do that with Jesus. But that's not how it works. We can't give him anything because he doesn't need anything. He doesn't need us. So to give him something with the expectation of getting something back, it's not going to work. 
And it didn't work for the Israel because they got conquered by the Assyrians. And in Judah, you had some good kings that, like Josiah and some other good, Hezekiah, that would lead their people. They would get rid of idols. And then some other king would come up and they'd bring all the idols back in. And this happened over and over. And God would send prophets to speak to the people in, in, in and um, warn them over and over again. And sometimes these prophets got beat up, they got killed, got jailed. So <clears throat> even when we get to um, New Testament times, idolatry is still an issue because it's pervasive in the Roman Empire. And so it's not something that we get away from. And, and as I mentioned before, It's something that even extends to this day in other forms. I picked an Old Testament section of Scripture and also a New Testament verse, just as examples. Um, This is in Jeremiah 44, and this is after Israel's fallen, then the Babylonians conquered the kingdom of Judah, Israel gets destroyed, the temple gets sacked and burned, and everything that's in the temple gets carried to Babylon. And a lot of the people, especially anybody who was educated or a leader, um, they got taken to Babylon, and some of them got executed if they were involved in, in what Babylon thought was rebellion towards them because they were a client state at the time. Um, and, and Jeremiah, among other, uh, among other prophets, said, this is what you need to do. You, you need to be subjugated to Babylon because um, I have ordained it. And, and they kept rebelling. They got con- And so this Judah fell. People got taken away. The people that were there, some of them were really poor, and they were given um, vineyards and property to manage. But there were still some people who were ex-military and, and were leaders and were, were nobles of some kind. And they said, well, we're going to go to Egypt. And Jeremiah said, well, don't go to Egypt. God will not bless you in Egypt. If you go to Egypt, when God brings people back to Jerusalem, back into Israel, nobody will come from Egypt. They went anyway. And they kidnapped Jeremiah and dragged him to Egypt, he did not want to go to Egypt. And then they're in Egypt. Now, other Jews were in Babylon. They got the message and they started to worship God. And they started to realize that what had happened to their nation was a direct result of their sin, that they were warned of the sin. The people in Egypt went on worshiping some of the gods that they were worshiping in Judah, including the Queen of Heaven, which was um, a version of a fertility goddess, Ishtar, Ashtaroth, one of those, but this one was called Queen of Heaven. And they kept doing it, and Jeremiah said, don't do that. That's why we're here. And so we pick up with 44, a response of the people to Jeremiah As for the word that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we will not listen to you. 
but we will certainly do what has gone out of our own mouth to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings to her, as we have done. We and our fathers are kings and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then we had plenty of food, were well off and saw no trouble. But since we stopped burning incense to the queen of heaven and pouring out drink offerings to her, we have lacked everything and have been consumed by the sword and by famine. What? How were they so deluded? Jeremiah, the guy that they kidnapped, had been warning for years against this. But in their minds, they weren't doing it enough. They weren't worshiping the Queen of Heaven enough. To the very end, this group of Jews uh, continued to worship idols. And they died in Egypt. And their children died in Egypt. And nobody made it back. And who knows if there are any descendants where they are today. And then 1 John 5.21, this is the end of 1 John. The last thing he says is, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. So it is something that recurs. Well, how does it recur now? And for those of you who were here when I covered uh, the Ten Commandments at the beginning, um, this is the same picture because it, it's power, it's sex, it's money, it's fame, it's pornography, it's... Um, but it can be other things too. It can be security. It can be health. I could worship my wife in a way. If I make her more important than anything else, even God, I could worship my kids. I have a friend who said, well, I can't believe, I can't worship your God because he expects me to love him even more than my own children. And I can't love my own children more than I can love God. So, here we are. Many, Some of us got saved from idolatry of some kind, you know, whether it's like alcohol or um, things in life that they experienced. Others of us uh, have been Christians for a long time, but yet feel the creep of idols coming up, the lure of idols at different, you know, because anyone can have that lure. Pastor Joe, you know, me, um, you, our kids. It starts with our kids. Uh, you can't insulate children enough. We can prepare them, we can give them information, we can speak the gospel to them, we can teach them so that they later on can take what they've learned and they can apply it. That's what we need to do. You can't just cut them off from it. It won't work, at least not for some. I've seen it. People I grew up with um, had very, very overly strict parents and they thought they didn't spend enough time speaking the gospel to them, to teaching them, um, maybe even to loving them. They left home, ran right after the things of the world. Now, a lot of them ended up circling back. 
because they were Christians and God brought them back, or maybe they became Christians finally, but they, they had to go through some difficulty. I, I know this because I've reconnected, thank you, Facebook. One of the good things about Facebook is you can reconnect with people, so I've learned how their lives have gone. And so idolatry is something that never goes away. That brings us to Kanye West. Anybody who doesn't know who Kanye West is, raise your hand if you've never heard of Kanye. How about very few, if any. Very famous, a rapper, a performer, a producer, gifted, from what I understand. Rap is not my thing. Um, But recently, he became a Christian. And his famous wife, Kim Kardashian, uh, who's, if anything, more famous than he is, has followed along. Now, this is at Kim's church. She was raised um, in the Orthodox tradition. This is Armenian Orthodoxy. And this, I believe, is when he got baptized. And I'm not sure if the children got baptized along with him or if they did it separately, but their baptism is different from our baptism, but also different from Roman Catholic baptism, which is different than um, Presbyterian baptism. Um, So I don't want to put them all together in the same boat, but... And I think it was a sprinkling rather than an immersion, but it was a baptism. And I look at that, and on one hand, I think my first thought was, wow, that's him coming to Christ. I mean, you know, he's really committed. And then part of me is like saying, I don't know, maybe he's doing it wrong, which is, that's me speaking, that's not God. Because um, God's drawing him, and he happens to be in, in, in this church, this Orthodox church. And, um, and I was curious about it, because they certainly don't do what we do. We, we proclaim the gospel, and then we have an altar call. And then people come, and they pray. And, um, and this is how I was raised. It's how we do it. I think it's a good way to do it. Uh, they don't do that in an Orthodox church. Just to make sure, I asked a friend who was Orthodox, my, my friend Marie from work, who is Egyptian, and she's part of the Coptic Orthodox Church, which is um, similar in many respects to the Armenian Orthodox Church. And, and so I asked her about just what they did. I asked her if they recited a creed, and she said, well, yes, they do. And I said, well, that was good. Um, I learned some things from her. I learned that um, in Egypt, uh, she doesn't wear... Um, a head covering ever because and the way she put it was if to wear a head covering was to deny Jesus and uh, I was I was taken aback by that it's like wow that's commitment because you're self-identifying as a Christian in a country where a lot of Coptics get they get beat up their their churches get burned their homes get burned even today uh, and, and a lot of the men and women have a, um, a tattoo on the inside of their wrist. It's a, it's a cross. It's a Coptic cross, but it's a cross because they wanted to self-identify as Christians even though they live in a country that has a lot of people who are Muslim in it. And I decided if I ever get a tattoo, I'm going to get one of those. So if you see me with a little tattoo, 
on my wrist of a cross, you'll know, you'll know why I got it. Um, and here's Kim Kardashian, and she says, thank you, Armenia, because they actually went not only, I'm, I'm sure there is an Armenian Orthodox church where they live, but they went to Armenia, and they took a trip, and, and it says, thank you, Armenia, for such a memorable trip. So blessed to have been baptized along with my babies at Mother Say of Holy, and I'm not going to pronounce that word, Armenia, Armenia's main cathedral, which is sometimes referred to as the Vatican of the Armenian Apostolic Church. This church was built in 303 A.D. Okay. Um, one thing they do, though, is they... they um, well, first, I have this up again because... Uh, Kanye came out of idolatry. He was part of idolatry. You know, by being a performer, he actually was an idol to people as, in some ways, his wife also. Okay. And plus, he's rich, he's famous, he has the power of being not only rich and famous, but also uh, having cultural importance. And part of the idolatry to that is to stay culturally important, to stay rich, to stay powerful. But it was more than that. By his own admission, uh, Kanye West was, uh, uh, has been, had been for several years addicted to pornography. So it wasn't just the fame and the wealth, but it was, it was idolatry that um, people who aren't wealthy and famous can experience. But he came to Christ. And, and I could talk about Justin Bieber, or I could have gone back and talked about Bob Dylan, but uh, he's the most recent one, so I thought I would talk about him. And um, I'm praying for him a lot. I think we should all pray for him, and for his wife, and for his family, and for Justin Bieber, for that matter. And Bob Dylan's still alive. Let's pray for him, too. Uh, Kanye West put an album out called Jesus is King. I, I have not listened to this album because... I don't really listen to rap music. Um, I've heard that it's okay. I, so, like, if somebody's not going to be stumbled by listening to it, I'm sure. And, and it starts out with Jesus is King. And I've seen on Twitter that uh, there are um, some people retweeted that people are listening to this because Kanye put it out. They, they're like, I'm not sure what to think about God, but. Kanye is saying Jesus is king, so I think I'm going to check it out. He's a new Christian, so I, I certainly wouldn't expect perfection. I wouldn't expect his theology is going to be 100% correct. But um, I'm also going to cut him some slack because he's doing what he, he did what he thought God wanted him to do. Um, I have this creed up here because it's part of the church that they um, that Armenian church. Um, and I'd mentioned before they say the creeds. Some of you came out of a church that has a creed. I did not. But when they get together and they speak it as a church, they're speaking an encapsulation of the Christian faith that, that is ancient. And that was originally done in part because a lot of people couldn't read, so what they would do is they'd teach them the creed. And that way they, 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 they had a sort of the Christian faith in a nutshell. And, and there are several creeds, depending on where in church history you are. The, the Nicene Creed is one of them. 
And that's the one that's in the Armenian church because I did go and look it up after I spoke with my friend Marie. And I'm going to read it, um, so you could just follow along. But it says, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things, visible and invisible. And in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made, who, for us men for our salvation, came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the, um, of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and on the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, and who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. So they get together. So Kanye, at some point, got with other members of the church, and he spoke this as a testimony to his faith in Jesus. And that's apparently they do it every service. So for every time he'd be attending church, he'd be speaking this. Do I think he's got everything together? Well, no. Joel Osteen invited him to his church. He's going to go. But, you know, is that okay? Probably it's going to be okay. And by the way, with Joel Osteen, I, my opinion of him, I, I told my mom because she likes him, and it's like um, like having cheese doodles for dinner, one of his sermons. It's like you got cheese doodles, like a big bowl of them, you eat them, and you don't get a lot of nutrition, but it, it, maybe it tasted good if you like cheese doodles, and maybe your fingers are orange. But, um, you know, it's not a meal like you'd want a sermon to be. But that said... Um, Let's pray for him that he's around people who can um, speak sound doctrine and he can listen to it. And that Jesus is king is the beginning of something. Okay, because it's not the end for him. Because um, he's a public person. Everything that he says or does is going to be analyzed. And then some things he says or does are going to be um, reported incorrectly. I'm glad I'm not a public person. So we should pray for him. And, and um, a couple of things. One is, when it comes to idols, let's all recognize that um, there are all kinds of idols and that we could fall to them and that anyone could fall to them. Pastors have fallen to idolatry. Um, and elders have and people have. And kids have been drawn uh, led astray. And so we need to do everything that we can, but at the same time praying for each other, praying for our children, praying for people who, like Kanye, who, who become saved and uh, profess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Um, we should pray Philippians 1, 9 to 11. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge 
and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, and that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Wouldn't that be great if, if, if we could all follow that path? Let's pray for each other. Let's pray for our children. And not that we haven't been, let's continue to do these things. And then if you have a Justin Bieber or a Kanye West and somebody comes to Christ, pray for them. Um, it, it, even if you read something where they did something or said something that was wrong or questionable, pray for them. Because as a Christian, they can always repent. They can always um, redirect themselves. And that's what we want. We don't, I don't want Kanye West to fall. I don't want Justin Bieber to fall. I don't want um, me or any of you or pastors to fall. So on the one hand, it's up to us to, to, to follow Jesus and walk our walk. Let, but let's help each other. Let's pray for each other. And um, I'm thankful that uh, we have a Holy Spirit that lives in us. And um, even with all the idolatry that's in the world, we have a God that's more powerful and stronger than that. Let's pray. You've been listening to to every generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.